By the Fire Podcast presents The Heart Speaks. Written and performed by Dave Smale. Chapter 9. Glimmer and Frost. Still fuming from Keisha's rejection and dreaming of the girl behind the counter, Tyrone steered away from his house and toward the gym. For an hour and a half, he pushed and pulled until his muscles screamed. It seemed every rep was fueled by a hate for Keisha and a desire to impress the new girl. What was her name again? No matter. He'd proved to his soon-to-be ex-wife that she'd made a huge mistake. He was still sought after by women, pretty women, who weren't obese or crazy. A quick shower, and he was in his truck again, this time going to one of his new haunts, the public library. He'd never imagined feeling comfortable in a place like this. Libraries were boring, stuffy places where bookworms went the ones who graduated with honors and became doctors and scientists. If that were him, he wouldn't have become a cop, he thought. But now that he wasn't a cop, he found that he liked the place. But he couldn't put his finger on why. Perhaps it was the quiet. He was pushing 40, the precipice of being old. And old people like things quiet. Maybe because it was clean, or maybe because it was free. It was all of the above, but also, he could use their internet to search for jobs. Jobs. Another bane of his existence. Albeit, a new bane. It seemed he couldn't land an interview anywhere. He'd tried security companies, retail stores, even fast food. The problem was, everyone knew his name and face. He wasn't just a retired cop or an ex-cop. He was that cop, the one that beat up a quote-unquote innocent man, as Kathy Idiot from W Shut Up News said. And by innocent, she meant the drug-dealing, baby-throwing, woman-killing kind. The thought aided him, but he refused to let it and his lack of job opportunities get him down. As he scrolled through the postings on multiple job sites, a pop-up ad showing a silhouetted person saluting caught his eye. The caption read, Want to serve again? The ad's footer said, Troops to teachers. Unfortunately, one had to be a U.S. Armed Service veteran to qualify for that program. Apparently, a faulty internet algorithm had confused his police service with military service. Yet the ad got him thinking, Could he be a teacher? Nah, definitely not, he thought. They'd never hire me. He continued to search, applying for menial jobs here and there, nothing promising. A part-time position at the Home Depot, a part-time position at Lowe's. Maybe he could drive for Uber or Lyft, or delivery drive for Amazon. He'd applied at the post office, FedEx, DHL, and UPS already. If nothing else, he could deliver pizzas. At least he had a clean driving record. Teaching. There it was again. 
Not a job posting. Just a thought. It was an insane thought, he realized. He didn't have a teaching credential. Plus, the city of Virginia Beach would have doubtlessly blacklisted him by now. They'd likely sent out an APB to neighboring cities as well, making his prospects even slimmer. Even if they hadn't, the media coverage was enough to keep him out of the public school system for the entire Hampton Roads area. But not every teacher taught at a public school. On a whim, Tyrone googled open teacher positions at local private schools. Lo and behold, there were many results. Several were Christian schools. Others were collegiate schools or academies. He was sure he didn't want to teach at a Christian school. He was probably the worst example of a Christian he knew of, other than all the other hypocrites at Keisha's megachurch. He looked into the collegiate schools since he didn't know exactly what they were. He learned they were special schools for advanced students. Each of them required a bachelor's degree in education. Well, there goes that, Tyrone thought. He was about to move on to jobs he could actually be hired for when he saw a post that said, Gym teacher needed. Grades 1 through 5, Bright Horizons Private Elementary School. Gym teacher? I could do that. Tyrone followed the hyperlink to the application page. Under the job requirements heading, he found that they were looking for someone, quote, dedicated to education, child nurturing, parenting support, and family resources, unquote. That's vague, he thought. No mention of sports knowledge. But also, no need for a degree. He filled out the application and continued looking. After two more hours, he'd applied for several other entry-level jobs. He arose, hungry and virtually cross-eyed from all the time staring at a computer screen. He left the library, stopped at a Wawa for gas and Walmart for dinner on the way home. No sooner had Tyrone walked through the front door than the phone buzzed in his pocket. He set the groceries down and fished it out. He didn't recognize the number and nearly ignored the call. Around this time of day, telemarketing calls were common. Yet, something told him to answer. Hello? Is this Mr. Tyrone Bowman? A frail female voice asked. Yes, he replied, certain a sales pitch for replacement windows was coming. My name is Glenda Pershing. I'm the principal at Bright Horizons Elementary. Oh, uh, yeah. Hello, uh, how are you? Tyrone said, putting on his best upbeat facade. Good, thanks. How about you? Can't complain, he lied. I received your application for the gym teacher position, and I have a couple questions, Pershing said. Okay, sure, no problem, he replied. According to your work history, you're a recently retired policeman? Pershing asked. That's correct. Would you happen to be the one who's been on the news lately? Tyrone's proverbial bubble burst. He sighed and nearly hung up. Would he ever get away from this stigma? But, just like something told him to take the call, something also told him not to hang up just yet. Yes, ma'am. That would be me, he said, sighing. I thought so, the principal said. And I guess this is the part where you hang up, Tyrone said, bracing for the inevitable. Oh, no, 
Glinda said. On the contrary, I feel terrible about what happened. They've just been horrible to you and your family. The police, the news, so unfair. And your poor wife, oh, I can't even imagine. Tyrone gaped. Wow, uh, thank you. Appreciate that. First time I heard someone say something that nice since, well, you know, he said, though part of him was half sure she'd thank him for his time with her next breath. Any time. Would you be available to come in for an interview? Pershing asked. Uh, sure, he replied, stunned. Okay. How does tomorrow sound, say, 9 a.m.? Sounds great, Tyrone said. Perfect. I'll see you then. He hung up and thought, Whoa, did something just go right? With all the defeats he'd suffered as of late, Tyrone had forgotten what hope felt like. More than the job opportunity, Tyrone was relieved to hear someone express the heartfelt sentiments that Principal Glenda Pershing had. He wasn't fibbing when he said her words were rare. Most people either avoided him or expressed sentiments like that annoying reporter. He cringed at the thought of her. His thoughts unwillingly transitioned to Kathy Whatserface. Tyrone tried to shake it, but he remembered something she'd said. Any truth to the rumors that it was an inside job inside the police department? Tyrone couldn't help but wonder, was there any truth to her words? Were there rumors? Or was it a ploy to get him talking? If it was a ploy, it was a good one. It had made him talk. He knew nothing of any rumors, especially any that would implicate cops. Now that he thought about it, Tyrone hadn't heard of any developments in his daughter's case at all. It was common for the victim's family members to hear nothing unless the detectives needed more information. They were far too busy to call with daily or even weekly updates. But if there was, in fact, nothing new to report, perhaps it was time he heard it from the horse's mouth. He dialed Police HQ and punched in the extension for Detective Channing. Tyrone checked his watch. 4.17 p.m. Not likely Channing or Cole was in the office. They'd still be out pounding the pavement for another hour at least. He'd leave a voicemail. Police work was never-ending. Some detectives worked until 9 or 10 at night. They usually weren't married. Anymore. Most other detectives had found a good work-life balance. Channing and Cole were in that camp. They usually chased leads until 5, then returned to the office around a quarter after 5, did some paperwork, and knocked off by 6. Surprisingly, after four rings, Channing answered. Channing? Tyrone said. Yes. Hey, it's Bowman. There was silence for a few beats before Channing replied. As in, Tyrone Bowman? Channing asked. Yeah. Another hesitation. Okay, how can I help? Just wondering if there's been anything new in my daughter's case. Come on, Bowman. You know I can't discuss that with you. Yeah, yeah, Tyrone interrupted. I know the protocol. Anything you could share with me? I wouldn't know, Channing replied. We got taken off it. What? Tyrone said, astonished. We had no leads. It got transferred to the cold case unit, Channing said matter-of-factly. Tyrone felt like punching the wall. Cold case? Mail? 
That's where murder investigations go to die. No pun intended, I'm sure, Channing said. Huh? Tyrone asked. Never mind. Tyrone's thoughts sprinted. Moving Jella's case to cold meant it was no longer a priority to the department. They didn't want to tie up valuable resources on it. Anyway, it wasn't our call. We weren't getting anywhere on it. All I can tell you is, we only had one person of interest, and you know who that was. Tyrone understood that Channing was referring to Keisha. Still, he couldn't comprehend what Channing was saying. That high-speed chase incident didn't help matters. Channing finished. Huh? What you mean? Tyrone said, approaching hysteria. Look, I'm not trying to say anything bad about your wife, but it sure looked like a suicide attempt. I mean, it was. But that don't make her guilty. Matter of fact, before the high-speed chase, she accused me of killing our daughter. Channing hesitated again. Well, be that as it may, there's nothing I can do about it. You'll have to contact the cold case unit. Don't know what else to tell you, man, he said. Tyrone could tell by his tone, Channing not only had nothing else to say to him, but probably never wanted to talk to him again. It was sad the devastating effect the media could inflict on a person's reputation. Tyrone ended the call and sat at his kitchen table, his mood having swung from hopeful to angry to helpless in seconds. This podcast is sponsored, in part, by Fiverr. Fiverr is an online marketplace for freelance services. Click the affiliate link in the show notes, and if you purchase anything from Fiverr, you're not just supporting freelance small business owners. You're also helping to support the spreading of the gospel all around the world through Christian Fellowship Ministries, to stop human trafficking through Operation Underground Railroad, and getting Bibles and supplies to the persecuted church through Voice of the Martyrs. Fiverr, it starts here. How could they send Jella's murder to the cold case unit? It didn't make sense. He called Jerry. Maybe he knew something. Hey, what's up, Greeny? Jerry answered. Man, when you gonna stop calling me that? When you stop being younger than me, Jerry said, chuckling. What's going on? Tyrone told Jerry about his conversation with Channing, not masking his frustration. Yeah, I heard. Happened last week, Jerry said. I tell you what, Jerry, that's like the final slap in the face. Like, not only did we get rid of this dude, but just to seal the deal, we're going to move his daughter's murder case over to cold. I bet them media raptors are going to eat that up. Media raptors? Jerry asked. Yeah, I don't call them vultures. Too nice. They're raptors, Tyrone replied. I understand, Greeny, said Jerry, again chuckling. Raptors. That's good. But listen, moving it over the cold case doesn't mean it's closed. Right. It just means it ain't never getting solved. Shows how much they care, Tyrone cried. Come on. You know better than that. There's good people working in that unit. they solved some really old cases lately. Some new technology, apparently. Tyrone didn't respond. You know, Jerry continued, there's been a ton of changes since you left. Technically, Tyrone didn't leave, but he decided not to correct Jerry. The LT put him for retirement, and we got some new punk from the 3rd Precinct who's replacing him. First thing he did was break up Channing and Cole. Serious? Yep. Probably why Channing wasn't so chipper on the phone. Why he do that? Tyrone asked. No idea. But 
Channing has a new partner, a female from 2nd Precinct. Let's just say they don't get along too well. Cole got moved over to the 2nd. Sound like a detective foreign exchange program, Tyrone commented. Funny, that's what I said. Looks like my influence is profound and powerful. Anyway, how you doing? You hanging in there? Jerry asked. Man, I don't know. Just taking it one minute at a time, Tyrone replied. He told Jerry about his run-in with the reporter and her comment about the rumors that his daughter's murder was an inside-the-department hit of some kind. Ha! Jerry laughed hysterically. Jeez, sorry, didn't mean to laugh, but that's just ridiculous. My goodness, what do they come up with next? You didn't fall for it, did you? Nah, Tyrone lied. Good, don't let it get to you. Hey, what say I stop by with a box of duck donuts tomorrow morning? Dunkin' Donuts? No, duck donuts. It's a new place down by the farmer's market. They got some of the most amazing flavors you've ever seen. Maple bacon, cinnamon sugar with key lime drizzle, chocolate caramel with coconut and sea salt. And they'll do custom ones for you right there. And their coffee. My stars. Did you just say... My stars, Tyrone said. You bet. Theirs is almost as good as Navy coffee. Wow, I don't think I ever heard you be so excited about anything, Tyrone said. Right? When I retire, I'm going to buy a trailer and live in their parking lot. So what do you say? I'll ask if they've got any pink icing with rainbow sprinkles just for you. Oh yeah, you should ask them if they'll wash your mug for you, Tyrone replied. Hey now. Let's leave the mugs out of this. They shared a laugh. Hey, you're laughing. That's a good sign, right? Jerry said. Like I said, taking it one minute at a time. Thirty seconds from now, I might be back in a slump. Just how it is going for me right now. That's where Duck Donuts come. Yeah, well, as good as that sounds, I'm going to have to decline. I got a job interview tomorrow. Really? Hey, that's great, Greeny. Where at? Tyrone told him. They chatted for another few minutes before Jerry asked about Keisha. Tried to see her today. She wouldn't see me. How often you go there? Jerry asked. Today was the first time. I just... I couldn't, man. I was so mad, you know? Sure, I understand. I still hate my ex with a passion only rivaled by the Jets and the Sharks. The Jets and the Sharks? Tyrone asked. Ain't you ever seen West Side Story? <laughs> nah, man. Sheesh. What are they teaching kids these days? Okay, how about, uh, Batman and the Joker? You get the picture. Anyway, you get some sleep, Mr. Big Job interview. <laughs> Thanks, man, Tyrone replied. They ended the call a moment later. Tyrone reclined on his couch. He was about to fire up the TV and watch something, anything to help him unwind. But before he could, the thought nagged him again. Rumors. Inside job. Channing had been no help. Jerry hadn't really either, other than sharing some new interdepartmental developments. Jella's murder was now in the cold case unit, and Tyrone didn't have any connections there. As far as he knew, there weren't any others he could ask about the... It hit him. What about Holloman, the cop who'd first discovered Jella's body? Tyrone remembered their conversation at the scene of Keisha's high-speed catastrophe. Holloman had said if he ever needed anything, 
on or off the record to give him a call. Tyrone searched for Holloman's business card. It wasn't in his wallet, or on the kitchen counter, or in his dresser. Where had he put it? He turned his house over for half an hour before realizing he'd probably left it in his truck. Sure enough, he had. He dialed Holloman's direct line at police HQ. Officer Billings, a female voice answered. Oh, sorry, Tyrone said. I must have dialed wrong. I was trying to reach Officer Holloman. No need to apologize. This was his number. I get a few calls a day, people looking for him. He's no longer with the department, she said. Tyrone grimaced. What the? He retire or something? No, he quit, she said. Dang. I, uh... Anything I can help? No. Thanks, Tyrone said, then ended the call. What in the world, he thought. Another cop left? Holloman was a seasoned veteran of the police force. Tyrone didn't know specifics, but Holloman looked to be between his and Jerry's age, maybe early fifties or so. He'd just up and quit? That didn't make sense. Tyrone flipped the business card over and tried Holloman's cell. The number rang once, then went to voicemail. Tyrone sighed, then left a brief message asking the former cop to call him back, if that was still his number. Not even two minutes later, Tyrone's phone buzzed. Bowman! Came Holloman's gritty voice after Tyrone answered. Hey man, what's going on? Tyrone said. Sorry, had to decline your call. I was on the other line with a client. How you been? With a client, Tyrone thought. Uh, uh, hanging in there, Tyrone answered. Good. Glad to hear it. I assume you're calling because you're ready to speak off the record? Holloman asked. I mean, yeah, if you can, Tyrone replied. Course. Let me see. Uh, got a meeting tomorrow at ten. Should be free around eleven thirty. Is that okay? Uh, sure, I guess. So you can't do it right now? You mean over the phone? Holloman asked. Yeah, Tyrone said. No, I really can't. Lot going on. Not a good idea anyway. Tell you what, I think I can end that meeting a little early and we can meet up at 11. Early lunch. Tyrone agreed and they set up to meet at a local Cracker Barrel restaurant. Before they hung up, Tyrone asked, Hey, I heard you quit the force, man. What happened? A lot of things. Kind of added up over time. Icing on the cake was what happened to you, though. Really? Yeah. They did you dirty. When that happened, I was done. Why not just retire? Tyrone asked. Not eligible. I had seven more years. I'm 56. I came to VBPD late. I was a cop in a few other places first. But I'm all set for retirement anyway. Been investing in my Roth IRA for 25 years. I didn't need their pension. Plus, now I get to do what I always wanted to. Be a private investigator. My son and I started our own little P.I. firm, Holloman and Son. Oh, well, uh, congratulations. Thanks, Bowman. Listen, I gotta run. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Heart Speaks. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'll be back next week with another chapter. Until then... 
God bless and thank you. This is a work of fiction. Names, characters, businesses, places, events, and incidents are either the products of the author's imagination or used in a fictitious manner. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, or actual events is purely coincidental.